Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. We've got a great speaker today. Hope you enjoy. I've got some more to go, but most people do want to be in shape and, and, and be in good shape. Where did I point this? Yeah, anyway, okay. Um, we want to be in shape. We want to, to be fit and healthy. We want to uh, do those things. That's, what, that's certainly what we're told is watch what you eat, do more exercise, have a thing on your hand that tells you to do 10,000 steps and all those kinds of things. Um, and, uh, but my sympathies are with this minion. I love minions. It says, um, I'm in shape. Round is a shape. And most of us want to be in shape, and most of us should be relaxed about these things, although it's good to try and get in shape and be great in great shape. But how do we get great in great shape as followers of Jesus? How do we get in great shape in how we live our lives? And that's what I want us to think about this morning. I come uh, from a, uh, this week from a really, really exciting week. Um, I... Uh, was down in Harrogate for a thing called the CAP Gathering. This is a, a gathering of people who work for Christians Against Poverty, volunteers from all over the country who run debt centers, uh, debt coaches, uh, people who run life skills courses, people who um, do the money course, do CAP Job Club. As you know, we do a CAP Job Club and, and run it here. And um, it was really, really exciting to be there because it's 25 years since camp started with one guy, John Kirkby, one guy, who found himself at Christmas sleeping in a, in, a, in a one room with him in a bed, his girls on the floor, and their Christmas dinner was bacon sandwiches. His, the, the irony of this is he used to be a debt collector, and he fell on hard times, and uh, uh, somebody invited him to church, he came to faith, he became the first client of CAP. And the first client of CAP, he set up, uh, he managed to get himself free of debt, he managed to find a way of turning his life around, and in the process, found Jesus. And the two were not unrelated. He, his life was chaos, his life was, was a mess. And uh, he discovered that as he... Um, listened to Jesus, followed Jesus, trusted in Jesus, his life moved from chaos to order, from chaos to being in good shape to great shape. So he shared that. And now CAP, uh, been going for 25 years, uh, is now across the UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Um, they've now reached, just as we were at this uh, gathering, they've now had 7,000 people give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ to say that they want to have him. They set 70,000, I think it is, people free from debt in this country alone. 70,000. And, and the difference of that is, uh, and I'm going to show a quick video in a minute about that. The difference in that is, is, is children being told by their parents, run, hide under your bed, so that if the debt collector comes, he knows that we're not, or he thinks we're not in. It's people who are at the point of ending their life because they feel the debt and the burden, the weight of debt and the darkness that that brings, the shame, they think that they're at the end of their tether and they should just end it all. That would be the easiest way out. But at the cap gathering, we heard story after story, people being interviewed up front, live saying it had just transformed their life. But the biggest thing was they had met Jesus. 
The biggest thing is they've discovered that Jesus was for them, not against them. They found that Jesus loved them and cared for them enough that, that he was interested in their finances. He was interested that they had a roof over their head, interested that they had a bed to sleep in. One in 10 people that can't work with in debt, one in 10, or is it two in 10? One in 10 certainly don't have a bed to sleep in. But with CAP's intervention and the support that CAP brings, their lives can turn around. So, and, and the motivation of CAP is purely this, Jesus at the center. And because Jesus is at the center, we care, we serve, we love one another, we love other people. I just want to show the next, uh, this little, uh, I didn't click on, did it? I didn't, the, I didn't hit the button in the middle. Honest, I'd be warned about the button in the middle. Apparently, hitting the button in the middle causes chaos, which is rather ironic. Um, and they were thinking about bringing. Thank you to all the life changers. Uh, CAP has completely changed my life for the better. I was in so much debt, and hopefully, soon I'll be debt free. Thank you. We've just become debt free, which is unbelievable. Amazing. Well, I am debt free since last week after about 15 months of working together with CAP. I'd like to say thank you to CAP for making me debt free this week. I've really struggled over this last nine months with the bedroom tax and being on benefits, and I've really struggled. But I've had Sheila at Blackburn come to my home, talk me through everything, and CAP got involved, and I'm now looking forward to a good life without any debt and hopefully I can get married as well. Thank you Kat. I'd just like to say a massive thank you to Kat for all they've done for us. 12 months ago we was in such debt and such worry we just didn't know where else to turn. I'd just like to thank Kat and the people who work for Kat and the supporters for helping me and Angela. Kat's changed our lives for the good and um, we're getting debt free now. Um, We've made a lot of new friends. We've got church every Sunday, which I never thought we would do. Um, can answer the front door. My wife goes out a lot more now, and she's like a different person. But yeah, carry on what you're doing, because you do really change people's lives. And thanks, Cap, very much for all your help. We can see a way out. There is light at the end of the tunnel. So we'd just like to say a big thank you for all your help and assistance over the years, and please continue to give. Thank you. And God bless you. It's absolutely wonderful. Difference between wishing you weren't going to wake up next morning and wishing to get up straight away. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Yeah, give it a pause. It's, 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 it's just amazing. And, the, and the, the new strap line for CAP is always hope. Because as people walk in, as soon as a debt coach goes into a house, as soon as somebody phones up CAP down in the, set, the, the office in Bradford, as soon as you phone them up, the light comes in. Because people are caring, people genuinely care. There are a lot of debt agencies, a lot of agencies who are interested in getting people out of debt, but, but CAP, and it's our own personal experience, we were in a, in a mountain of, of, a, of a hole, if that's not a contradiction in terms. It was a deep hole and CAP helped us. So we did nothing but respond to that. And then when I heard about the CAP Job Club, I said, we can do that. That's something we can do. 
And now we're life changers as well. We give monthly. And the people who give monthly support all the ancillary staff. And the, and the vision they have for the next number of years is massive. Because the problem is massive. The, the problems of debt is increasing. We're more and more people are getting into debt that they can't manage and more and more people are getting into addictions they can't control. There are more and more people losing hope, losing a positive outlook on life and they're desperate, but they don't know where to turn to and CAP is one of the best places for for us to recommend in terms as, as Christians. There's lots of good places, but it's one of the best because it brings hope. So this morning, if you're at the end of your tether, if you're feeling that there's a lack of hope, if you feel that there's, things are, are dark and things are negative, and th- then, then later on, come for prayer. Because Cap says there's always hope, but, but actually they're just quoting Jesus. Jesus says there's always hope. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come and be yoked with me, which is just put, let me put... Jesus said, let me put my arm around you. Walk with me. And you'll find rest for your souls. And he will help and mold what was chaos and bring it into order and structure. If you've got your Bibles or if you want to open your phone um, to Luke chapter 6. I'm going to read from verse 12. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the whole night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James and Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Yours is the kingdom of God. So this gospel, the good news of Jesus, the kingdom of God is for the poor, the poor financially, the poor Um, who are living in fear or shame or darkness, despair, loss. Those who need to have hope, those who need life, those who need freedom. This gospel, this invitation is to one and all from Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. And we as disciples of Jesus are to follow him. We are to imitate him, Paul says. We, We imitate Jesus imitate Paul as, as Paul imitates Jesus. That we are, we're called to model our life, our, our, our patterns of living, our, our way of following Jesus according to how Jesus lived his life. That's what Christians are. The, the term Christian, by the way, was initially uh, an insult when it was first used. Because it just means little Christs. 
but actually in the insult was the truth of the matter. If we are followers of Jesus, then we become like Jesus. If Jesus is our brother and he has, he's modeled on his father in heaven, uh, then, then we become like the family. We're in the family business of becoming like Jesus. And what I want us to, to think of now, to, to move into is, well, what does that look like? What was the life of Jesus? What was his rhythm of life? What did he do? Well, the first thing he does is he calls us to put him at the center. To put him at the center. He is Jesus. The, 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 the life that we have, the, the life that is Jesus-shaped is to be shaped on Jesus. And that means we read the Gospels. That means we read and hear what he said. That means we read and hear the eyewitness accounts and people who saw what he did reading through the New Testament. What, was, what does Jesus say? What does he do? What does he tell us to do? What does he model for us? Why does he show us to live? We have a Jesus-centered life. Now, you might recognize the shape there. As I was preparing this, it was after I'd finished it that I suddenly realized that, that, that it's very like the Vine logo. Just a different color. That's okay. It's heart colored. It's because he's at the heart of everything is Jesus. And then I thought, but that would be a bit twee. And then, then he said, but don't I say I am the vine? He is the true vine. So your logo should remind you of this talk. If nothing else does, that your logo that you see as you come in and out should remind you that, that you put Jesus at the heart, the vine. Jesus is the true vine. We are the branches that we are called to bear fruit. What does that fruit look like? What's the fruit if we follow Jesus? What did Jesus model? Well, in, Matthew, in, in Luke 6, we're told that Jesus went up a mountain to pray. Spent all night with his father. Did he do that just because he felt he had to? No. Did he do that because he didn't like people? No. He did it because that's what he did. Again again, you find Jesus trying to get away from the crowds trying to get away from the crowds to, be to spend time with his father. And he says in John 14, he says, you need to come to the father through me. So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come to the father through me. There is no other way. Come to the father. Live a life that's upward focused to the father, that you would pray with him, that you would speak with him, you would hear from him, you would have fellowship with him. Because that's what Jesus did. That's what we are meant to do of an upward life, focused on him, focused on his words, hearing what he says. When Jesus, we already heard it earlier on today, when, when Jesus was asked, what's the great commandments? What's the greatest of the commandments? He said there are two that are the greatest. The greatest is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Love the Lord your God. And so we love him. We worship him. We meet with him in the quiet place on our own. We go wherever you find that that's possible. You go to the, to the hills or um, wherever it is, some room in your house, in your back garden. At any moment, finding that place with the Father. Why? Because Jesus said we should, modeled we should, says we should, and says we can. So we live an upward life. The second of the great commandments, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now we have neighbors who are in the family and we have neighbors that are outside the family. 
loving the neighbors, who, loving our neighbor who's in the family, uh, are our brothers and sisters. Look to your left, to your right, behind you, before you. Look around across the rest of the town. Look across the rest of the world. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. But equally, we are called to love our neighbor in need. To love people who don't know Jesus yet. To love people who need to hear about Jesus. To love people who, who are, are far from him. Love people who are near to him. To love. To even love our enemies. come to that in a minute because that's another one of the greats but let's just look again at loving in loving our brothers and sisters loving spending time together in fellowship in small groups loving to spend time with one another in in fellowship meals and and whatever else might be that this is our family, our extended family, not biological family, but, but joined and, and united in, in Christ. Spending time together, fellowship together. Do not give up gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. It's important to gather together to, to encourage one another to, to share that not just on a Sunday, but in regular times. To share in. Jesus said, by this will people know that you are my disciples. That you pray lots. No, it's not that, is it? Uh, by this, Jesus, by this the world will know you are my disciples if, if um, you give lots of money away. By this will all the world know that you are my disciples if you stand in the street corner and shout about him. No. By this shall all the world know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I'm more and more struck that the world watches us and looks for unity. And it's interesting that the things that people seem to give to and support and get behind are when they see Christians working together like street pastors or food banks or, or CAP. There's lots of other ways, and they're not, it's not that against, but they just sense naturally brothers and sisters working, dwelling together in unity, working side by side, working with this common goal that God has placed upon us is incredibly powerful. And of course, there is the third out, the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have taught you. It's all gathered around Jesus. Jesus, when he spent all night in prayer, came down and amongst his disciples, he called them out by name, all 12 of them. He called each of them by name. He knows your name, he knows my name and he calls us to be in his family. He calls us to be with him but at that point it was 12 who were called to be with him. It's interesting in the book of Acts when they had to replace um, Judas Iscariot. One of the qualifications of, be, of, of being appointed back into the 12 to make it back up to 12 was we need to find somebody who had been with Jesus. Now, when he was on earth, he could only really invest in the 12, who then the 12 invested in the 70 or the 72, and that was some move that has now spread across the world down through 2,000 years almost. But he started with the 12. 
spent, he ate meals with them, he took them on holiday, or tried to. He, he spent time with them, he taught them, he invested in them for, some say, just three years. But it wasn't just an up and in. There was the out, where he taught them, he showed them, he spent fellowship with them, and he said, now, you need to go out. And he modeled that because after he called the 12, he came down to a flat place in Luke, in Luke 6 and he preached. But he'd already been preaching and healing, so the crowds came to him. And people were healed and people were released and people were delivered. And he said, and he started to preach and teach. And when he commissioned the disciples, the apostles, in Matthew 28, he said, go, do what I've been doing. And John's God even says, you'll be doing even greater things than I've done. And so, nothing's really changed. If you believe the word of God hasn't changed and Jesus hasn't changed, his model hasn't changed, we put Jesus at the center and we live a life that's balanced up, in and out. To be a disciple means we're learning to be like Jesus, growing in his character while learning to do the things he could do, developing his competencies. It's about character and competency. To do this, we increasingly pattern our life after the life of Jesus. So one of the questions we have to ask is how Jesus would pattern his life if he had your job, if he had your personality type, your family situation, lived where you lived, or made the same amount of money that you make. When we examine the life of Jesus in the Gospels, what we see emerge is a particular way of relating to the world around him. He is very intentional in how he used his time to invest in certain kinds of relationships. It's the pattern of his whole life and ministry. Put another way, Jesus had three great loves that his entire life oriented around. In Mark 9, 2 through 29, we see Jesus go up a mountain to pray. But this wasn't abnormal for Jesus, was it? Throughout his life, he was constantly getting away from the crowds and everyone else to spend time with his first love, attending to the upward dimension of his life, his relationship with his father. We then see him come down the mountain and run straight into the people he's investing his life into, his disciples. Jesus was never ambiguous about who his spiritual family was. In attending to the inward dimension of his life, Jesus spent more than 50% of his time with just his spiritual family and no one else. But then he steps out into the full brokenness of the world, driving out an evil spirit from a troubled boy. Jesus attends to the outward dimension by dealing with sin head on. He's concerned with how sin affects individuals, how each person is separated from God because of their sin and doomed because of it. And he's concerned that when you get a bunch of sinful people together, they create systems of sin and injustice. Sin creates individual problems and communal problems. Jesus stepped out and brought hope to both. Three great loves. He was deeply connected to his father. He was constantly investing in those his father had given him to disciple and to be spiritual family with and he entered into the brokenness of the world with good news and asked for a response individually and communally. To be disciples of Jesus, we pattern our life in the same way that Jesus did, up, in, and out. Most people are naturally good at one. They're okay at a second, and they're fairly bad at a third, 
But rather than simply playing to our strengths, we commit to be learners. The invitation of Jesus is to pattern our life after His, to learn His ways, and to let His power be made perfect in our weakness. But we also recognize that because a collection of Christians is the body of Jesus, we want the full expression of Jesus, not just parts of it, so that these three dimensions saturate community life as well. Whether it's a group of eight people or a group of 8,000, when a group of people is committed to truly being the body of Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins stoking the fires of a red-hot center by which people can't help but be drawn into the warmth of. When we have a spiritual family learning to live into up, in, and out in a communal way, people the Lord has prepared can't help but be drawn in because this community is the gospel made visible. Is that good? <clears throat> and that for me um, was a, a huge shift in my thinking, paradigm shift if you want to use that word, but just a complete shift in 2001. I was into parish ministry. I was, uh, I was busy in the work. I was preaching. I was teaching. I was visiting. I was doing all the, all the things you're meant to do, not seeing much happening. And, and in, in 2001, I went to a little clan gathering day, training day in Aberdeen and was taught the triangle. And it totally revolutionized me and it totally revolutionized how I see ministry, totally revolutionized how I see church. And especially that bit about the two out of three kind of part. And, it, and, it, and it's true. You've got to pick two. You might want something good, fast and cheap, but that's not going to happen. You might get something that's uh, good and fast, but it won't be cheap. You might want something that's good and cheap, but it won't be fast. Or you might want something that's fast and cheap, but it won't be good. Or perhaps uh, for anyone who's uh, going into student life, you get this one, which is you've got to choose two out of three. Good grades, social life, and enough sleep. If you want to have a really good social life and good grades, you won't get much sleep. Probably not enough. Or if you get enough sleep, you're going to have to choose between party or good grades. And you know, it's very, very true about two out of three. Because for me, whenever I was, when I was challenged by this, I, I spoke about outreach and evangelism. And, I, and, I, and our church, where I was at the time, spoke about outreach and evangelism. But when we had a look at it and we kind of gave ourselves a rough kind of scoring out of it, we were great in worship passionate in worship, passionate in prayer and the Bible study, and really, really good at meeting together in small groups, we were small groups all over the place, <clears throat> and it was wonderful, and then we went, what about out? Well, the doors are open on a Sunday, and, um, and we do do some things, and then we discovered that people across the church, including myself, we don't really know how to share our faith. We don't know how to actually do out, and it's quite weak. And realizing that a church like that becomes kind of a clique, a holy huddle. We've got something really, really good. If only people would come to us, they would, they would have this. Or, or one model in, a, in one Bible study uh, we had, in fact, we, our small groups, we challenged them all that once a quarter they would do something out because they were brilliant in Bible study and they were brilliant in worship and they were brilliant in community. They were just wonderful. We said, right, once a quarter, do something out. What do you think that would look like? I said, I don't know. Just, just think of something. Could be 
a number of things, and we talked it through with them, because what we realized is we were building, a, 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 we had a fellowship of spiritual bodybuilders. They were in shape. I don't know if you know this, but, but some bodybuilders get so big and so in size that they can't do basic things because they've got so much muscle. They, they're actually not as strong as, as somebody, some other athletes who go for speed, agility, and strength. And so we had a lot of spiritual bodybuilders who were, they had the best intention. We want to have time with the Father. We want to go deeper in the Word and be committed in fellowship. And we said, okay, we'll do something out. And some of the reaction was not positive because it threw them out of their comfort zone. But the ones who did, wow. <laughs> and there for them, not not revival, not breaking out, but it, for them it was revival because all of a sudden there was a purpose for their meeting and digging into the word because we need to do that because we need then to be strengthened to go out. And whenever they had pastoral issues, somehow the pastoral issues were not dealt, were dealt with better as they went together because when you do something together, you get stronger bonds of family. As you go together, you end up doing those kinds of things. And, and I've seen churches the other way where they've, they're high on the up and, and high on the out, and we've no time for anybody being hurt or injured or past, needing pastoral care. We just, the mission is everything. The mission is everything. And then people burn out and wonder why leaders burn out. It's because that's not the model that Jesus gave. And there are other churches that I've seen that sadly do in and out, but don't really consult with God. Don't even have a passion for God. And, and jelly just become a nice club with a religious label. But Jesus' model for each of us is this, that we live an up, in, and out life. That we live a life that's in balance, that has shape, that has structure. And it's not just me saying that, that's in Jesus' life. Go look in the Gospels. In Mark 1, after one of the greatest revival meetings that there have ever been, where people were being healed all night, having... Uh, Peter's mother-in-law being healed. <clears throat> the, the, um, the, the disciples have to look for Jesus. Where's he gone? He's, oh, he's out very early. Got up and went out to pray. And they got to him and they said, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. Come back. We, we should build a ministry on this. We, we, we'd be made for life. People coming from all. Jesus, no, no, no. We've got to go on. I've come to preach and there's other places I have to go. Modeled up in and out. The Lord's prayer, the disciples' prayer is up and out. The armor of God has up and out. It's a rhythm and a pattern that we should not cut back on our devotion and our love of God, loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbors who love ourselves, both inside the family and outside the family, with Jesus at the center. Some people call this a DNA the Christian life. So some questions about up. How's your time with the Lord? How's your time in prayer? How's your time with the Word? And I, I, I'm all for this in churches these days because I had to do it myself. There's an amnesty if you don't know how. Because we often assume, people assume and say, well, everyone must know how to pray if they've been around church long enough. No. Because it's not the intentional discipling that this brings in church fellowships. 
in, a, in the broadest of senses or reading the word and praying, but, but God wants this. He wants you to come into relationship, deeper relationship with him. He's inviting you in. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Do you feel like worshiping him? Are you obeying his commands and so on? And that list of questions, by the way, is not prescriptive and is not exhausted. Okay? In questions. Experiencing encouraging fellowship. Are, are you building one another up? Are you feeling built up? Are you building up others? It's not just about what you get. It's not consumerist Christianity, this. This is, are you building up others? Are you helping them? Are you looking to their needs? And as you meet their needs, then your needs get met. It's the wonderful thing of the kingdom. A whole range of questions in there. Don't have time for them now, sorry. They will be available. And out. Usually the weakest one for most, if I'm truthful. Do you know how to tell your testimony, your, your story of faith? Do you, have, do you have various versions of that? Do you have the one minute at the bus stop version? Do you have the, the two or three minutes in the, in, the, in the lift version? Do you have the five minutes um, in a queue version? Or do you have the 10, 15 minute version of what Jesus means for you and what he can do for somebody else? How you can set them free? Do we share our faith? For those groups, just to give you an indication of what they did, one group decided that they would give out free bottles of water. And I just had a label on it saying, Jesus is the, this bottle will refresh you, Jesus is the water of life. Just hand it back. Others <clears throat> uh, did the uh, light bulb giveaways when they were cheap. They're not cheap now. <laughs> light bulbs. But they would give them out, they gave them out saying, this light bulb will light up your home. The label on it, they stuck a label on it, said this light bulb will light up your home, but Jesus will light up your life. And that was so successful that when we did an Easter outreach, the local bakery gave us a deal on giving away hot cross buns. And so it tumbled forth. One other small group decided they would go and wash the cars of the primary school teachers while they were in class to bless them. And when they asked, why are you doing that? It says, because we've been blessed by God and we want to let you know that Jesus loves you. And I'm pretty sure most of us in here could do that. Or something like it. It doesn't have to be that. Who's a, what neighbor needs a helping hand? What, what person, my favorite one of all time, and my kids get fed up me telling this story, and is, is my favorite is when, and I usually have time for this, is when I go to the supermarket as the test score, there are other good ones available. I do go to the self-service I'm in a hurry, but if I do have a, bit, a few bit of a time, I go to the one where folk are serving, and I talk to them. My kids are mortified what they were when I first started this. I talk to them. Has anyone here ever worked in one of those kind of things where they go beep, 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 hands up? I'm not going to call you at the front, don't worry. <laughs> My guess is it's really, really boring. So when I go and talk, some of them just light up. Oh, human contact. Somebody's interested in actually speaking with me and I talk to them. And, and But you see where that goes. Sometimes it gets into deep conversation because there's nobody behind me because I've all gone to self-serve. Um, or sometimes it's just a very quick word. Now you might say, that doesn't sound like sharing your faith. I think it is. Because it's the loving compassion of God. I don't know where those conversations are going to go in due course. Somewhere I'll meet somebody in the street and say, oh, you're the guy that talked to me in the, uh, 
how's it going? I said, it's fine, where are you going? I'm, I'm going to Alpha. I'm going to my small group. Who knows? But we offer hope and a smile and a service coming from the heart of the matter, which is Jesus, keeping him at the center. Is Jesus the priority of your life? Is Jesus at the center of your life? Is Jesus the one that, that you're passionate about? Is he your savior? We all want him as our savior, but is he your Lord as well? The what he commands you do, where he leads you to follow him, you follow even though it's quite scary and even though you've never done that before, when he says, follow me here, do we obey? Remembering he's always with us. He's always wanting things to go well. And really he does it through us. How is your up and your in and your out? And how is your relationship with Jesus. Hopefully, if nothing else, you'll remember the triangle, the Jesus-shaped life of up, in, and out, the great commandments and the great commission, with Jesus at the heart and at the center. The Jesus-shaped life. Come to him and yield to him. Take his yoke upon him, you and learn from him, for he is gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We're going to move now to a time of invitation. If, if your life is in chaos, and you don't know Jesus yet, or Jesus is on the edge of your life, and you really want him to be at the center of your life, then, then I think today is a day to make a decision to come forward for prayer from the prayer ministry team. They will pray with you. They will, they will lead you in a prayer and will guide you in a prayer to the place of faith, to committing yourself, to invite Jesus to put his arm around your shoulder and to walk with you, to, that you would learn from him and that you would be seen in his family. He knows you by name. We've seen that. He's calling you by name. In the time in prayer before the, the gathering, I, I saw... And I believe there's somebody here who, who feels like they're right under the water and all that is above the, the surface of the water are their hands. They feel like they're drowning. Now that could be in debt or it could be in an addiction. It could just be, it could be just in life. And I saw a picture of somebody being pulled, their hand reaching down and being pulled up and brought out of the deep, brought up out of that place. If that's you, you need to come forward for prayer. You need to come forward for prayer. But also I think there's maybe a few folk here who feel particularly that, that their life is out of shape, as I've described it here, as modeled by Jesus. And, and, and by that I, I think not just a little out of shape, but really out of shape. You, you go through the motions of in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, and you need to respond. And somebody will stand with you and will pray with you and will encourage you. So if you can, just stand just now. And the prayer ministry team coming down over to the left. Aaron. Just, just Put our hands together and thank you for that word. 
So, we're going to invite you to come down for prayer. If your hands are above the water and you're drowning in life and just struggling, God sees you and he wants to pull you out today and we want to pray for you. We're going to invite you just to come right down the corner here and uh, we've got our, our team ready to pray. If you want to become a Christian today, God loves you. If you want to accept his invitation to follow him and to turn to him and, and, and ask for help and, and decide today to follow him, to be forgiven, to start a new life, that times of refreshing may come into your life, just come down the front as well. We'll, we'll pray for you. And the, the third person, remind me again, the third group of people, Ian, was? Those of you who feel that your life is totally out of shape, of that up and out, that you're going through the motions, or you need release in being able to share your faith, or, 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 or you need to forgive somebody in the fellowship, or need, need to experience forgiveness. Whatever it might be in those up and out, or just putting Jesus back at the heart and recommitting again that he's at the center of everything, that not only is he your savior, but he is your Lord he loves you and cares for you and wants to bless you so we're going to invite you in a second but uh, Ian, Ian's message is absolutely spot on for us as a church and I think all three I wouldn't say we're strong in any three and I'm not just being pessimistic or negative I think we've got room and opportunity for growth in all three and I think you know which ones perhaps our weakest which we we need to to grow more in and and I think that vision you got of this drowning is not only for an individual here today but it's for us as a church Ian because I believe that our ultimate purpose is one of rescue Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost and I believe that our mission as a church is, is there are people drowning out there just now they're drowning and um, they may stumble in here in the next 52 weeks, but the chances are for most very slim. And Jesus has commissioned us to go and to find that lost sheep that's drowning, that's struggling, that needs that love. And so I, I, I just want to uh, believe that God's stirring that afresh in us. We're a, a mission boat, not a cruise liner. We're a mission, we're on mission. To, to, to rescue and you know God's love is so great so I just want to invite you just to come down now let's just close our eyes and as we're praying just invite you just to come down just come down the front if you if you're that drowning person just over here and our team the life group leaders our, our leadership team just come forward only those in our leadership team or life group leaders praying please um, yeah just come down the front Lord Jesus just move in this place today we thank you, Jesus. Your love is so great. Lord Jesus, your love is so great. Just move in this place, we pray. We welcome your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come and just encourage our leadership team. Start praying. Ask men with men, ladies with ladies, and just ask the person, first of all, what they would like to be prayed for. And I just want to encourage you just to take your time. Take your time with that individual. And just allow the Holy Spirit to move. Father, just move in this place today. For those that are drowning, Lord Jesus, your love is so great. 
your forgiveness your compassion is so powerful so strong you never give up on us many times Lord you should have given up on me if I was I shouldn't be up here and doing the work that I'm doing if it wasn't for God's grace his kindness his mercy and his compassion in my life and the same is true with you God's grace his mercy and compassion so Lord Jesus just move we will we welcome you we welcome you just move in this place today have your way we love you Lord Jesus come and bring healing come and rescue come and do your work in Jesus name we're band if we could just keep the uh, we're going to have a, a final song of worship and then we're good to go guys if we could just keep the volumes nice and uh, low please we'll, we'll sing and worship along but just so that these guys can hear themselves praying if we could just have the volume fairly low and let's just uh, worship and then you guys just keep after the song just keep worshiping the rest of you you're good to go the cafe's open let's just uh, let's have one final song of worship thank you is rising to cool me from the ashes ignite my soul please burn away the darkness his love is like a furnace but fine ever sleep Your eyes, so 
your fire and never sleep Fire never sleep This fire never sleeps Thank you, Father, for this time today. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your work that you're doing here today. Just move and bring life, bring healing, bring restoration, bring new hope. Stir your church up as we go out this week, Lord. Let's go with fresh eyes to love, to bless, to smile, to look into the eyes. Help us to slow down, Lord. Help us to walk through the crowd slowly. Help us to lift our heads. Help us to work from rest. Help us to come to you that we may receive and walk and start our day and rest and in peace. And then we may walk through the day with peace. And we will be peacemakers wherever we go. We turn chaos into peace and into order. We bring it into our workplaces through your spirit and through your anointing. In Jesus' name we love you. Amen. Okay, people, have a wonderful afternoon. If you've been prayed for, you just take your time. Band, if you could just keep playing. Uh, enjoy some lunch, guys. Thank you for coming. If you're new here today, a big, massive welcome. Just stay and introduce yourself. And uh, we'll love to, love to meet you. Thank you. Have a great week, everybody. Right now, media, sign up. <laughs>